ourselves and to right our wrongs, he did not come to have a conversation to, 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 to right our wrong. He didn't come to pay it with money, but to right our wrong, he had to willingly suffer, bleed, and die. Everybody say die. Yeah. Paul, within the context of Colossians 2, helps us to understand four significant truths about Christ. And this is vitally important for all of us, especially the seasoned saint. It is important to understand the nature and the character of Christ, all of us, but especially the seasoned saint. Why? Because we should never get so comfortable or complacent saying a name that we forget the nature of the person behind the name. <laughs> you, 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 you never get so comfortable or complacent calling a name that you forget the significance of the nature of the name that comes behind it. The Bible declares that demons tremble at the name of Jesus. We don't just utter the name Jesus without understanding its nature. Even uh, the Bible says that eyes have been opened at the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. The Bible says the lame has never, who has never walked, have all of a sudden began to walk at the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Lives have been changed at the name of Jesus. And my Bible tells me in Philippians 2 and 10 that one day at the name of Jesus, hallelujah, every knee has got to bow and every tongue has got to confess that he is Lord. You might call my name and nothing will happen. But let me tell you one name that if you call it the right way, there's some things that will shake and happen in your life. And if you ain't had nothing shake and pop up in your life, this day is the reason that maybe you're not calling on the right name. Is there anybody in this place today that will call on the name Jesus? Somebody shout Jesus. He says, Paul says, Paul says there's four significant truths that, 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 are, that are relevant and true about Jesus. He says, first of all, he's sovereign over us. Everybody say he's sovereign over us. He has power, meaning he is Lord. Paul says when you think about Jesus, you have to understand that he's sovereign over us. He has power. Not only is he sovereign over us, but he's supreme among us. I mean, there's none like the name Jesus. He's preeminent. He's priority. He's not only sovereign over us. He's not only supreme among us, but he's a substitute for us. Yeah. In other words, the weight of sin was death. And the only way that we would be alive today, that something had to die. And Jesus became our substitute. That word substitute means to stand in the place of. That word substitute means to remove what existed before and put something in the place of. This makes me happy because we were supposed to die. Because the Bible says the waste of sin is what? And the gift of God is. So when we sin, that means that we are destined to die. But Paul says when you understand who Jesus is, he's supreme among us. He's sovereign over us. He's a substitute for us, but then he's sufficient to us. Meaning that he has enough provisions to provide for us when we cannot provide for ourselves. Colossians 2 and 16 and 17 says, therefore... Let no one pass judgment on you, everybody say on you, in questions of food and drink, or regard to a festival or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Here it is, 17. These are shadow of the things to come, 
but the substance belongs to Christ. Paul says the only thing that will save you is Christ. We live in a text where people are so um, um, concerned about diets, days, and the demands of the world that they never make a decision for Christ. We are not saved based on diets. We are not saved based on days that you observe as holy days. We are not saved based on the demands of the world, but rather we are saved based on a decision. We are not saved based on a, a performance. We are saved based on a person. Sheena is standing here. Sheena is the substance of Sheena, who she is. She has a shadow right here. The shadow is not important, not more important than the substance. <laughs> because without the substance, you won't have a shadow. Paul is saying, never get so concerned with the shadow that you miss the substance. The substance is you're concerned about what you eat and expecting that to make you holy. You're concerned about days that you observe like Sunday. You miss God every other day of the week. But you think in your mind, if I could just get to church on Sunday, I'll be saved. You, you, you're, you're concerned about the demands of the world that says what you need to do and you miss the substance. Paul says... The shadow is just a shadow. But never get so content with the shadow that you miss the substance. And the substance is a present of the things to come. And here it is, because you're not saved by your performance. He said, we're not saved over days. Now, you ever met people who, 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 who feel like because you eat meat, you're going to hell? Listen, let me just speak this in the air. If, if, if you don't want to eat meat, do your thing. But today, my daddy cooking out. I mean, cooking out. He had real marinade all last night. Pork steak. I mean, beef steak. I mean, I'm eating. Here it is. Some people are so holy. So, so super holy. That they feel like what they eat is going to save them. They, they, they feel like if they can just serve. On every Sunday. Y'all just want to serve on first and second. They want to serve on first, second, third, and fourth. Fifth Sunday if you let them. They feel like it's going to get them in heaven. I'm so glad my deeds is not the prerequisite for getting me into heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm, 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 I'm so glad that what I do or, 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 or don't do is not the prerequisite. I'm so glad I'm not saved by my performance, but rather I'm saved by the person that was nailed to the cross because you ain't always been right and I ain't always been right. And if he surveys your performance, you know, you know, having children in an elementary school is interesting because teachers have an interesting way of telling you how well your child did at school that day. They, they, they have a behavior chart. You, 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 they, they'll put little categories, breakfast, lunch, nap time, circle time. And they'll put a smiley face. Come on, somebody. If, if, if your child did what they were supposed to do, and, and they'll put that old frowning face if, if, if your child did. Or, or they'll put a check mark if they did good and an X bar if they did. You come home, look at that sheet, see your child, see your child do smiley faces. They say, oh, you did good. 
See your child with them doing frowning faces, that dog gonna toggle. Huh? <laughs> dog gonna frowning faces, and you fill up with righteous indignation. You wanna grab anything close. Okay. <clears throat> Maybe that's just me. Anything close, you just go on through there. But what if God grabbed your behavior sheet? How many checks and X's would you have? How many smiling faces and frowning faces? I'm so glad that he doesn't look at me based off my performance. Somebody say, who died? Who, who, who was there to the cross? Paul describes him in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 13 as the king over his kingdom. He describes him in verse 14, chapter 1, as the savior over sin or from sin. He describes him in verse 15 as the image of the invisible God. He describes him in verse 15 again as the firstborn of all creation. He describes him again in verse 16 as the creator of all things. I'm just telling you how Paul describes him. Paul describes him as not only the creator of all things, but the sustainer of all things. He describes him in verse 17 as in 18 as the head of the body and the church. He describes him in verse 18 as the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. He describes him in verse 19 as the fullness of God. The church said fullness of God. He described him in verse 20, 20 through 23 as the reconciler of all things to God. And in verse 27, he describes him as the hope of not some glory, but the hope of all glory. Paul says, when you know what you know about who was nailed to the cross, on a Sunday, ain't nobody got to tell you to smile. Ain't nobody got to tell you to lift your hands. Because when you know who was nailed, you'll you, 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 you know that Jesus is the reconciler of all. Things. Not only who was nailed to the cross, here's two. What happened when he was nailed to the cross? <laughs> Who was now the avenger, Christ? But what happened when he was there to the cross? Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demand, then he set aside none to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame by triumphing over them. Here's the answer. What happened when he was there to the cross? The conquest or the defeat of over the accuser. Say, the accuser was defeated. Jesus went to the cross to reverse our pre-conversion status. He, he, he went to reverse our pre-conversion status. Verse 13 tells us what our pre-conversion status was. Because some of us will get saved and forget who we used to be. Verse 13 reminds us of who we used to be before our pre-conversion status. Look at it. He says, and you, yeah, you, 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 with your good Easter clothes on. You. He says, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses. In other words, at the cross, the battle that Satan was prophesied in the Old Testament to lose actually came to fruition. Within verses 2, uh, 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 within these two verses, we see First of all, we see three things. He erased our indictment. What happened at the cross? First of all, he erased our indictment. Let's just indictment. When Jesus died on the cross, the debt that we owed was canceled just like that. He, 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 he did not settle our debt on a payment plan. 
our debt was not canceled via IOU in which the debt was graciously removed. With his precious blood, Jesus paid it all. Y'all don't know when to smile. Jesus paid it all. At the cross, watch this, our penalty that was due was addressed and we were forgiven. Okay, okay. Um, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 14. In whom we have redemption through the forgiveness of sins. The word cancel, to cancel according to the text, means to literally wipe out or to blot out. I'm going to slow down and calm myself down because I want you to get this. <laughs> to cancel means to wipe out or to blot out. It means to like cover with line, to erase. During the time of our text, they wrote with ink on papyrus paper. I hope I'm saying that right. Papyrus paper. I'm gonna go with it. Papyrus paper. <laughs> the ink on papyrus paper did not absorb into the paper, so it could easily wipe off. I'm smiling because I know what I'm about to say. They they would take a wet piece of cloth and wipe it like a whiteboard. Jesus did not only erase the debt, but he also destroyed the document that the debt was recorded on. Because when you wet paper, paper destroys. Have you ever poured water on paper? I mean regular paper. Loose leaf college rule paper. With the thick white lines. The, the, the blue on the white starts to bleed off the paper. <laughs> because the ink does not absorb y'all know what it into the paper. Huh, okay. Um, it's like your salad made long. I know I'm going right now. It's like, it's like Salome calling you about the debt that you owe. Telling you that they have no record of your debt. So they need you to send the copy that you have so they can see it. I ain't got no Can you remind me 
other debt that you used to owe. You don't have people in your life always reminding you of the stuff that you don't got to deal with no more. The devil isn't my Satan. Well, oftentimes remind you of stuff that God has already delivered you from. You got to stop letting people tell you about what was when God has already got rid of He, he, he erased our indictment to be. He elevated our indemnity. He elevated our indemnity. Here it is, verse 14, B says, This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Immunity, immunity, immunity denotes the granting of exemption from a particular consequence. It, it, it's a, uh, it means that they're going to grant you immunity. They're going to relieve you of a consequence. Of, of a consequence. Indemnity, however, <laughs> denotes I actually did what I'm being charged with. But it was covered. Immunity, I'm exempt from. Indemnity, I actually did it, was charged with it, but it's covered. It's like having a car. If you got car insurance, and I know this, there's something called, called an indemnity clause. See, you don't read your little book they give you with all the words on it. You don't read, you just throw that in the trash. There's, there's, there's something in your policy coverage document calls an indemnity clause. The indemnity clause means that when you have an accident and you're at fault, somebody say at fault, the indemnity clause means your insurance company is obligated to make that person whole again. It means to make whole again. It means to cover the charge that you have. It means that when you're guilty, don't worry about going in your pocket. Because Jesus already paid the bill. <laughs> I'm going to move on. It's going to be all day. Here it is. He, he, he literally takes it away. The Greek word for um, taken or took is aro. It means to raise up or to lift up. And when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he, he raised or elevated our indemnity. In other words, when he went up, so did our sins. When, when, when he went up, so did our wrongdoing. When, when he went up, so did our charges. Here, see, here, see, he embarrassed our indictment. He embarrassed our indictment. He not only erased our indictment, he not only elevated our indemnity, but he also embarrassed our indictment. Colossians 2 and 15 says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, for we wrestled out against what? Flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in high places. Jesus made a spectacle of Satan at the cross in three ways. He disarmed the accuser at the cross. He disarmed him. In other words, no weapon that they could use was going to hurt him at that point. Because he willingly allowed them to do what it was that they were doing. He not only disarmed the accuser, but he disgraced the accuser. Because what they meant for evil, God actually meant for good. What, 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 what they meant to do that mocked him, it was all a part of the divine plan. They not only disarmed the accuser, they disgraced the accuser. They also defeated the accuser. They defeated Jesus. Defeated. What do you mean by defeated? How can he be defeating them when he died on the cross? They forgot one scripture in the Bible. They should have just left 
says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw not some men, but all men to me. So if they would have missed that part, they should have just left them on the ground. Here it is. Here's the last verse. Revelation 12 and 10 says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven, saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of the Christ has come, of the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God, and they have conquered him by blood of the Lamb. Here it is. Satan is already defeated, but he will never stop reminding you of the defeats you had in your life. And you got to get to a point where you remind yourself that God has already paid for the stuff that people won't let you forget. Here's the last one I'm done. What was there on the cross? We dealt with the who? The Avenger Christ. We dealt with what happened. He erased our indictment, elevated our identity. He embarrassed our indictment. Here's the last one, and I'm done. He, what was nailed to the cross? Colossians 2 and 14 says the record of debt. The, 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 the charge of our legal indebtedness. Here's the answer. The condemnation of our accusations. You remember in Luke chapter 23, when they put Jesus on the cross, the Bible says there was inscription says this is the king of the Jews. Anybody who died by crucifixion in the Bible, they had to list the charges above your head as to remind them what you did. Here's the reality. All of us have, have, have done some things in our life and Jesus has already died for it. Everything that you ever did, he died for it. I mean, every mistake. Listen to me. The mistake that you got in your mind right now that won't let you sleep. The embarrassment that's done because people always remind you of it. Val, come here. I want to illustrate this point of him dying for all our trespasses. All our trespasses. He, he, he died for all of them. Everybody say all. Oh. He, 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 I mean, all of them. All. Everybody say all. All. Oh. He, he. Because see, some things we feel like are unforgivable sins. But to illustrate this point of how he died for all of them, abortion. There are some people who cannot move past the decision they made to abort a child. But not only the person that did it, but the person who forced it. The facilitator who administered it. But you know what? We don't have to worry about it today because he nailed it. Everybody say he nailed it. Yeah. Not only abortion, but adultery that tears apart families because the decision that was made in the moment somebody said he nailed it he not only nailed abortion adultery but he, he also nailed condemnation he, he Jesus took our sins with him Denying yourself a love and condemning yourself for it. He not only died for condemnation, but divorce. People live with stuff 
has dropped together. But guess what? He nailed the church. Not only divorce, but domestic abuse. The hurt, the pain that you still feel even though it happened 10 years ago. Jesus already died for it. Somebody say he nailed it. Not only domestic abuse, but drunkenness. He nailed it. You don't remember the shameful things you did and the hurtful things you said. But you can smile today knowing that when you're in Christ, he's nailed all your sins to the cross. Envy. Wanting what you don't have and not appreciating what you do have. He already died for it. Fornication. Visual images. Pictures. Videos in your mind. Getting your milk and cheese before you even have the cow. Somebody say he nailed it. Gossip. Tearing others down. With your words. But you don't have anything good to say. And you feel like the only way you can lift yourself up is when you tap others down. But somebody said he nailed it. Guilt. Carrying the invisible weight of the world on your shoulders. Because you keep forgetting that the Bible says that he died for it even before you were born. And when you're in Christ, you understand that when he died, Every sin that you ever did, done, or will do has already been nailed. Somebody say he nailed it. Yeah. Homosexuality. The attraction and the action. The reality is, don't look at somebody else and judge them for their sin. Because your sin, although different, still, still carries the same weight. Sin is sin. Somebody say he nailed it. Yeah. Not only... Jealousy. Because you're at a point in your life where you're insecure. You always want what it is that you want and you don't appreciate it because you're jealous of what God is doing for somebody else. But you can rejoice on a Sunday morning in Douglasville. Because he nailed it. Somebody say he nailed it. Lust. With your eyes. With your heart. Not appreciating what God has given you. And always lusting and wanting after something else. He nailed it. Lying. Not being able to tell the complete truth. Finding loopholes and saying what it is that, the, that you want to say. Telling a story that you want to tell. You stretch the truth. Try to impress and deceive people. Somebody say he nailed it. Yeah. Pornography. Images. The habit of looking at things that will cause you to desire what it is that is not even a reality, but sometimes a fantasy. But somebody say he nailed it. Yeah. Profanity. 
Some of us know how to cuss so good that we make, we make bad words sound like good words. But somebody say, he nailed it. Shame. Hallelujah. You, you, you're embarrassed by what it is that you went through. And you can't even rejoice today because you're still bearing the shame. You're doubting your past and you can't live towards your future. But somebody say he nailed it. Still taking what is not yours. Trying to be somebody that God had created you to be in the first place. Not appreciating what God has given you and trying to take what it is that that's yours. But if you've done it and any of these things on the cross, he nailed it. Might be the biggest one of them all. Unforgiveness. Not being able to forgive other people for the wrong that you did. Not realizing that Christ forgave you. And Christ's only prerequisite for him forgiving you of anything on this list is that you possess the character to forgive somebody else. Church, he paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed them. Why this snow? He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. He paid it all. Just paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white. Listen, everything that you've ever done, he nailed it. Where others failed it, Jesus nailed it. So on Friday, he was crucified. And I like to say in my mind, behind him was all the sins of the world that Jesus paid. But that is not where the story ends. Because when he died on Friday, he, 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 he was buried on Saturday. But on Sunday morning. He, he, he. Somebody said on, on, on Sunday morning. Is when he nailed it. Well others failed it. Jesus nailed it. Adam failed it. Eve failed it. Abraham failed it. Jacob failed it. Rahab failed it. Samson failed it. David failed it. You and I. Failed it, but Jesus nailed it. He nailed it in his coming. 
routine can be great throughout the entire routine. But if the gymnast does not stick the landing, the landing can distort the whole score. Gavin Douglas and Simone Biles, 2012-2016, did a neat, Gavin needed a perfect routine to win the all-around gymnast. And you listen and go back to the tape, and Austin says, she has to nail this landing. Are you too? <laughs> you have to, she has to nail this landing All right. in order to get a perfect score. Yes, Can I tell you what Gabby did? Yes, she nailed it. Yes, and when she nailed it, the entire gym erupted. Yes. When Jesus rose on Sunday morning, yes. the whole heaven <laughs> stood up with a perfect 10 score. Oh, the bliss. 